praise God for it. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 57. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 57. I was sitting there yesterday in the car in the pouring rain, waiting for some women to get ready for a wedding. And you know, I sat in the car for a right long time, amen? And I was debating and studying about scriptures and what to preach and uh, thinking that, well, Lord, I'm not going to preach this and I don't have time to develop all this. Lord, I'll just get the young preachers to preach tonight and that'll be the will of God and it'll be fine. I'll enjoy it. And the Lord said, you're phoning this in. I want you to preach what I laid on your heart to preach. You will develop this thought. And this afternoon from the time I've got home, I was, I'm listening, I'm, I'm tired. And from the time I got home this afternoon, I mean, I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning. And from the time I got home this afternoon, all afternoon, I've sat and labored in the Word. Not to mention all the time that I sat in the car yesterday waiting on women to get ready. Amen. Boy, if you're waiting on a woman, you might be there for a while. You fellas ought to be saying, glory, you're right, preacher. Hey, but some of y'all scared. Amen. If you have your Bibles... Isaiah chapter number 57 tonight. I want you to stand as we look in verse number 14 through the end of this chapter. Isaiah 57 verse 14 through the end of this chapter. And shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always wroth, for the spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me. And was wroth. He went on forwardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. I want to go on record and not say, thank God I'm saved. No peace, saith my God, to the wicked. That's not what I'm preaching, but man, that's just echoing through my soul right now. Boy, I'm telling you, if you're a sinner and you're not saved and you're listening to the sound of my voice tonight, I'm telling you, I'm praying for you. I'm telling you, you may say, preacher, I'm living my best life now, honey. Yeah, that's right. You're living your best life now because soon you're going to slip out into eternity and it's going to be a living hell, amen. The Bible says there's no peace. And to be honest with you, you're saying you're living your best life now, but it ain't your best life. 
man, you've got no peace. You're worried, troubled, all the pieces that you know you need to be saved. You know you need to get right with God. It bothers you when you look in the mirror, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep at night, when you work in your day, when you drive your car, when you're worried about you're going to have a heart attack, worried you're going to have a car wreck, wondering your life's going to be over. What's going to happen to you if you're not saved? There's no peace, saith my God. To the wicked. Oh, God help, God help. Father, would you help us tonight, Lord, as we try to rightly divide the word. Father, that we might preach the gospel to this thy people. God, would you speak to hearts. God, would you help us tonight, Lord. Would you move upon us tonight, Lord, I pray. God, make preaching easy. Bring back to mind the things that we've studied and then some. Help us, God. You know, Father, that all the time we spend, it's not nearly enough, Father, to preach this thought. God, would you help us then, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. I want to preach on this thought from this text tonight. The road to revival. The road to revival. Verse number 15 makes a statement. If you'll look closely in the middle of the verse, it says to revive the spirit of the humble. That is those that are lowly. You can only revive that which previously had life. He's speaking about a stirring in the hearts of God's people. I believe there are people tonight that you feel like your fire that God lit some time ago has been quenched down. Maybe you're starting to become lukewarm. Something has discouraged you. Something has doused the flame. Amen. God wants to rekindle you. God wants to refire you. God wants to renew you. It is amazing tonight how God's people have grown distant from the Lord. They have a busy life. They, they have financial concerns. They have discouragements and they have disappointments. And the attraction and the allurements of the world try to draw you away. And it causes you to become lukewarm and and it causes you to become worldly in your passions for the cause of Christ. But in this text, God says he is intent on bringing them back and is intent on you that are not that are low and firing you up, igniting you, and fanning your flame. God wants you to have a revival of heart. God wants you to express full attractions, full affections, back for the Lord our God. We do know tonight that it is possible for your heart, I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, you're a preacher, it is possible for your heart to grow cold to the things of God. And I'm telling you, we need a stirring, we need an outpouring, we need a can of gasoline thrown on the fire, and I pray the Holy Ghost would help us tonight. It is as if the road, the path that we're traveling right now God is wanting us to turn that road, that hard, difficult path you're on. He wants to turn it into a road of revival. Number one tonight, when I look at the text, we see it is a highway of holiness. He says in verse 14, he says, cast ye up, cast ye up. That is an imagery of road construction. It is a raising of the low areas of a road back up to level. It is smoothing over the potholes. It is smoothing over the sinkholes and the, the sunken places and the low places, the, the pits of, of life that you and I now live in. Sometimes in the road there, there seems to come these enormous 
uh, holes that develop in the road. And if you run your car in them just right, it'll drop your transmission completely out of there. And you want to blame the DOT. I'm telling you, the road you're on, uh, spiritually speaking, has bigger potholes and sinkholes than that. And you don't have nobody else to blame but yourself. God wants you to have a pursuit of godliness. God wants you to get away from this low living. God wants you to get back to the standard of living for God's glory. He wants a removal of your sinful ways, a removal of your sinful habits. It's time to confess and repent of your sins. Now look with me. He goes on to say, prepare the way. What does that mean? It's remove the obstacles. Maybe there are boulders. Maybe there are rocks that have fallen on the pathway. Uh, maybe there's uh, hindering causes that are there. Maybe there's fallen trees. There's, there's mudslides and landslides. While well, the other day, I couldn't get up the mountain, a tree had fallen. The other day, I couldn't get up the mountain. There was a wreck there. The other day, I couldn't get up the mountain. There had been a landslide. Of it. I'm just telling you, in your spiritual walk, there'll be landslides. There'll be mudslides. There'll be debris. There'll be fallen things in your pathway. And God says, I'm going to move these objects. I'm going to take the sinkholes and the potholes and the low places and I'm going to smooth them up. He's going to repave the road to revival. Thank God for it. Amen. Now listen, our self-centeredness, our self-righteousness, our we think we're self-sufficient. God says, I want to remove those sinful attitudes out of your life. Boy, I hope you're going to take this right, what I'm going to say. We don't need better methods here. We need better members. We don't need a new pastor. We just need a more godly pastor. Amen. It's okay to say amen. That's why I need to be more godly. Amen. We don't need better programs in this church. We need more passion for God. We need more power with God. We need more purity with God. I'm telling you, we need to get right with God and have a highway of holiness. The Bible said without holiness, we will not seek God. You may say, oh, that word holy, it scares me. Well, look right now in your lap, you've got a holy Bible. If you're saved, inside your soul lives a Holy Spirit, amen. Thank God for the holiness of God Almighty, amen. Number two, it is a highway of humility. Verse 15 speaks about it there in that great verse. He, he, he says, uh, or verse 14, he says, Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. Hey, now there's got to be a, a, a highway to humility. Did you know that every revival in church history has witnessed a high vision of God? That's what stimulated the revival. And when you have a high vision of God, you have a low vision of man. This renewed vision of God will bring a pride-crushing humility. Let me talk to you about pride. Every time I preach about pride, people get upset. But I thought about pride. There's a lot of sins of pride. And this is one right here that hits me. A contentious spirit. Preacher Darren, what is a contentious spirit? This is it. It's not that you're always uh, upset and aggravated and agitated. But a contentious spirit breeds out of the fact that you think your way is better than everybody else's way. And you're willing to put your nose in it 
and tell everybody else where they're wrong so you can get your way done. And a contentious spirit is bred out of pride. A critical spirit is bred out of pride. You'll start criticizing everybody else, putting them down, but what you're doing is you're trying to lift up self. Let me say this. A great preacher said one time, if you want to get in the presence of God, I found out that there's a, there's a door that goes into the throne room, but it's a low door. That means it's not tall. It's way down. About the only way you're going to get in the presence of God is to get down on your knees and get down on your face. That's the way you're going to get in the presence. It's a lowering of yourself. It's a humming of yourself. Oh, preacher, I can't believe my pastor was crawling. Honey, I've crawled around this building a million times, I guess, and God's come by when I crawl. I don't mind to crawl. God says, crawl, crawl like a baby, amen. And if God says, run, run for his glory, don't be embarrassed about it. Just do what God says, amen. Now, look at the Bible. He says, thus saith the high and lofty one. Now, I got to thinking about how high he is. Do you remember what Isaiah said in chapter 6? He says, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Isaiah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Here's the problem in our churches. What you think and who you think God is, is not high enough. It's beyond your comprehension. He is so grand and so great and magnificent. I'm telling you, he's the high and lofty one. And when Isaiah got a vision of him being lifted up, what did Isaiah say? He said, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. And he said, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. A high vision of God produces a low vision of self. And our churches have got away from the low vision of self. We see ourselves as being able to do some things and, and being self-sufficient. And a high vision of man brings down a lower vision of God. Do you get my drift? And my job here in this church is to lift him up, to extol praises due to his name, and to exalt the high and lofty one. He says he dwelleth in eternity. I can't even explain that. That means that he transcends time, the element in which we now live, and his hand, his ability, his hand, his attributes, his character, his nature, the essence of who he is, is also in eternity. He always has been, and he always will be. And he's got his hand working over here in our time zone. What a God, amen. I just can't explain how he does that. In my mind, we, we see things that, that, that come in order, you know, from the time we're born to the time we die. And, we, and it takes years for these things, but God sees them all at one time. That's how big and how grand and how mighty that our God really is. The Bible said whose name is holy. The angels are flying around the throne right now. You know what they're saying? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The seraphims, amen, and the cherubims, they're flying around right now. 
giving him glory. And for all I know, he may have sent some down to this service to stand guard and say, I'm going to bind the demons of hell. Well, that preacher lifts up the Lord God Almighty. That the people down there might praise him a little while, amen. I get excited about what God's doing, and he's able, amen. Thank God tonight, he's holy. Amen. Go back to our text. I'm trying to move quick. The Bible says, look what he says. He says, ah, this is him speaking. I dwell in a high and holy place. Listen, did you know, oh, this is going to be deep. Did you know that God has to humble himself to live in heaven? Think about it. He is bigger than even heaven could contain. The heaven of heavens can't contain him, amen. That's how great our God really is, hallelujah. In Revelations chapter 4, John writes this down. He said, I heard a trumpet. And it was as a voice speaking with me which said, come up hither. And immediately he was in the spirit and he went up before the throne of the almighty, amen. Hey, the Bible says, I dwell in a high and holy place. God's glory is best manifested in heaven. Can you imagine? Listen, on earth if sin is the way it is here and yet God shows himself through the lattice work of eternity working in our lives, how much greater is heaven going to be than what he can do on earth if he does all these wonderful things here? How much greater when heaven, amen, is a better place to show his glory? Woo! What a God, amen. Watch this. Here's a God that's holy, high and lifted up, that lives in a high and holy place, and he says, I also... Live with him that is of a contrite and broken spirit. Woo! He lives in glory yet. He says, I'm willing to reveal myself and live amongst those that are of contrite and a humble spirit. What does that humble mean? Lowly, that low view of self. Amen. Contrite, what does that mean? Broken, crushed, shattered. It represents the dust where you and I are from, it represents that we view ourselves as sinners. Turn while you're close to Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66 and verse number 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Man, I'm telling you, I remember as a sinner trembling under the preaching of the word of God. I can remember even as a Christian listening to the men of God that would mount the pulpit and open the book with the anointing of God upon them. And as they preached the word, I was drawn to listen and I was drawn to fear in my life because I wasn't living up to God's holy standard. And eyes, and look, no, no, Psalm. Go back to Psalms chapter 34, I believe it is. Help me, Jesus. Psalms 34. The Bible says, yes, in verse 18. Psalms 34, verse 18. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. 
Here's a holy, righteous God living in a high and exalted place who's willing to condescend and humble himself and come to someone that can confess themselves to be a sinner and lower themselves down and God will bless the broken. God, hallelujah. God will bless the shattered. God wants to bless the crushed. He wants to raise them up, amen. In Psalms again, chapter 51, I believe it is. Help me, Lord. You see David writing there after his great sin with Bathsheba. He writes in Psalm 51 in verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. May I say it like this? There's no one too low for God to revive. But people can be too haughty. People can be too high. People can be too prideful. People can be too mighty for God to use them. There's nobody too weak for God to revive. But people can be too strong for God to ever try to use. Amen. My Bible says, First Peter, turn there. First Peter, preacher, too much turning. No, you just need to know your Bible better. First Peter chapter 5. Look with me at the end of the verse. 1 Peter 5, end of the verse. We're going to read verse 6 as well. For God resisteth the proud. You know what God says to someone that says, I'm self-sufficient. I can get to heaven on my own. I can make it on my own. God says, puts his hand up and he says, I resist you. Go ahead and try it on your own. Go ahead and try. Let me tell you what, there's hell is filled with men and women who have tried to do it on their own. I'll never forget the man of God told me. He was preaching in a tent meeting. The singers had just finished. And the preacher got up and he started to take his text. And he started to preach just a little bit. And this man and this woman that had come to the tent, uh, they come to hear the singing. And they jumped up and said, listen, I did not come to hear that Jack Bray. And we're out of here, honey. And he and his wife went out and got on their two motorcycles. He called them hogs. And they went less than 20 seconds down the road, both of them into a corner, and hit a Mack truck. And his body parts is still probably left in the radiator that's in, a, in one of those places where you put wrecked cars to this very day. How far was hell? 20 seconds away. When he rejected the things of God and said, I don't need this junk. I don't need that preaching. I don't need the word of God. I don't need Jesus. Honey, he didn't live 20 seconds without the Lord Jesus Christ giving mercy and grace in his life. I don't care who you are, honey, you'll never make it on your own. God is opposed. Listen, he can't, the Bible says in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If you'll humble yourself, there'll come a time that he will lift you up in due time. Amen. Hey, you don't need to lift yourself up. You don't need to toot your own horn. The Lord will do it for you in due time if you'd humble yourself before him now. Listen, God is opposed to the self-centered, to the self-righteous, to the self-sufficient, to the self-promoting. But God gives grace to the self-denying, to the self-deprecating, and to the self-lowering. God will give you grace. What about that? Listen now, I want to go on. Thirdly, it's a highway of hope. Look now verse 16. The people, the, the people in Isaiah's day were a people that had 
received the worldly view and then rejected God's ways, much like we see in our nation and amongst our people and our churches have filled with this business of we think we can do it on our own, therefore we need not attend. Now I'm going to tell you something. Look what God says in verse 16. He says, For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be wroth. In other words, God is angry with their sin. They have forsaken God and turned their back on Him and they've rejected Him. We've taken Him out of our schools. We've taken Him out of our courtroom. It is amazing what's going on in our nation nowadays. And He says, I won't be wroth forever. Thank God. He said this. He said, For the Spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. Here's what He's saying. If I continue in my anger, people would die and go to hell without my mercy and without my grace. But look with me in verse 17. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and I smote him. You know what God did? God's discipline. God's disciplining. Like a father. Listen, I lived at home. I got off in trouble. And when I got in trouble, my daddy brought discipline and chastisement into my life. I don't know if you had a daddy like that or a mama like that, but you need to say thank God for them. They brought discipline into your life and that was what was needed, amen. And God says, I did that. I smote him. I disciplined him. I hid me and was wroth and he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. In other words, I corrected him and he kept on going anyway. I believe that God has brought discipline to our nation. I believe that judgment is now at work. I do believe a lot of things we see are the judgment of God falling on our nation right now for sure. But, but this right here is, Preacher Darren, you said it's a highway of hope, thirdly. I don't see hope in that. Watch this. He says, I've seen his ways and will heal him. Explain that one to me. Why would God, who's brought discipline and chastisement for transgression and iniquity, Here's why. He says, because they're my children. And I be they belong to me. And in my mercy and in my grace, I will heal them. I'm going to love them. Here's what he's saying. Though they're wrong right now, I love them so much and I have so much mercy on them, I'm going to lead them to a place of repentance and I'm going to bless them in a mighty way. I want to say this. There's been times in my life that I got backslid on God and God began to work in my life. And man, I'm telling you, this happened and this happened and this happened. The discipline, the chastisement of God. And the next thing I knew, I was right back on my knees. He was leading me to a place of repentance. And I'm telling you, there's a highway of hope that leads to revival. God's going to turn this thing around for his glory. I believe that with all my heart tonight. Amen. Thank God for it. It's fourthly, and I'll be, no, I got one more after that. It's a highway of healing. Look, I've seen his ways, and I'll heal him. I will lead, there it is, I will lead also, and restore comforts to him. In other words, I'm going to bless him, and to his mourners. What's this? I create the fruit of his lips. What's the fruit of your lips? Praise be unto God. God said, I'm going to work in his life so much. He's not only going to repent, get right with me, I'm going to heal him. He's going to start praising me. I'm looking for a church 
that's going to start praising him again and start glorifying his holy name again and start believing him and start, well, preacher dear, and here we are. Yeah, but I'm looking for more. How about you? I believe he's looking for more. How about you? I believe you're looking for more. How about you? Amen. Thank God for it. Now, the Lord wants to, he wants to renew hearts. He wants to restore souls. He wants to revive spirits. He wants to renew his work. That's easy right now in the day and age in which we live to look around and get discouraged. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a deacon. Maybe you're a daddy. Maybe you're a mama. Maybe you're, maybe you're a young person. You're lonely right now. Man, it's so easy to get discouraged in the day and age in which we live. But read the work of God. Every time the church has gotten at its lowest point of ebb and flow, that's when God brought in the greatest time of revival ever. In my life, when I hit my lowest point, that's when God brought the greatest time of revival back into my life. I thank God for it. You know what the word Jehovah Rapha means? How many of y'all know what Jehovah Rapha means? I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's out of the book of Exodus chapter 15. Isaiah is saying it in this verse. He is the Lord that's going to bring healing. You may look at me and say, Preacher Darren, I absolutely don't believe that. Let me say this to you tonight. The Lord wants to heal you. He wants to bring healing in your life from the hurts that you've experienced. Every one of us have hurts. Hurts from the past, hurts from the present. You've got deep wounds. You've got deep scars. You've got a fresh cut. You think about it. The Lord wants to bring healing in your life that you can move off from this event and begin to live for him. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring healing from your hurt. The Lord wants to bring healing from your habits. You have destructive habits, patterns that you fall into, and it's getting you in trouble. There are chains on your arms. There are chains on your feet. Your habits of, of, of your life don't match what your lips are trying to say about what you believe in Jesus. We have a real discrepancy nowadays between what preachers are preaching with their lips and how they're living with their life. We have a real discrepancy in the church between what we say and what we do. I'll go back to God. We have this imagery of God, of what we think about God. But he is so, listen, there's a difference between the God who is and the God you think is. Amen. He wants to break, listen, he wants to heal you from those hang-ups. Some of you have some dysfunctional characteristics within you tonight. And these hurts and these habits and these hang-ups are causing problems in your life. Honey, tonight, he wants to heal you. And he's going to give you the fruit back to your lips. Look what he says, verse 19, look at this. Peace, peace to him that's far off, amen, and to him that is near. <laughs> that's, that's everybody. Saith the Lord, I will heal him. The Lord gave us a double promise of his healing. Like, listen, the word peace, that's the word shalom. Now, you and I, peace means tranquility, man. But to God, shalom means peace in every attribute and area and essence of your life. God wants you to have peace. I'm talking, about, I'm talking to somebody tonight. You don't have peace 
in every area of your life. Oh, there's peace about some things, but there's not peace about everything. Let me give you a, for instance, I, I, I got a, a boy and a young lady from our church that recently got married, as in yesterday. <laughs> Amen? And they had to fly to their honeymoon location. And I have prayed and I have been worried. Preacher, you ought not to worry. Well, I did. And I was concerned because I'm their daddy. I know you weren't worried. I hope you were. But me and the other daddy was worried. We've talked about it. Concerned, prayerful. Let me tell you something. When they made their first leg of the journey and they said, we're here, I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I said, now, Lord, would you help us to get through the second leg of this journey? And then they called to say, we're here. I went, oh, hallelujah. Oh, no, now they're there. Now what ailments are going to be around them? And then we've got to worry in a few days to try to get them back home. Do you all have that problem? God says, I'll give you peace in every, every area of your life. Every area of your life. I had peace when they got to the first leg, the first destination, but then I got worried again about where this is going on the second part of it. And then when I got the second part of it and I got peace, then I got worried about, do y'all do that? And yet you'll sit here on these pews tonight and say, oh yeah, I got peace. Yeah, man, I got peace. I'm not worried. You worried about your kids going to school tomorrow. You worried about who they're hanging out with. You worried about situations going on in your workplace. You may sit here and say, oh, things with me and God, we cool, we fine. And I'm telling you what, you're worried about your marriage. You're worried about the relationship within your family between in-laws and sometimes the outlaws. Amen? I'm going to preach with a pocket in and a pocket out. Amen? I just want to say this tonight. God, listen, that's about the way we live. Let me go back to that. Lord, I got peace, but I don't have peace. Lord, I look pretty good, but I don't look pretty good. Are you with me? Amen. And you may sit here tonight and say, well, this is just not interesting to me. This is not floating my boat. God told me, you preach this because I'm trying to help somebody. The Lord said, I'm going to heal this. I'm going to fix this. I'm looking for somebody to humble themselves down and say, God, crucify my flesh. Give me faith. Help me to believe. Help me to accept. Help me to receive. Lord, I want to believe you for the rest of it. It's a highway, a roadway to revival. Fifthly, and I'm done. It is a highway without hypocrisy. Look what he says. The wicked are like a troubled sea. There's no rest. It has no rest. The waters cast up mire and dirt. There's always some debris, always some issue going on. God said they can't have rest. But if you'll trust me, I'll give you peace. I'll, I'll bless you in a mighty way. We sung tonight, number 370, Revive Us Again, written by William McKay. William McKay was a young man that was a Scottish young man that grew up many years ago. His mother raised him up and taught him about Jesus. And William McKay got saved at a right young age. She gave him a Bible. She wrote his name in front of the Bible and she wrote some scripture. But as William McKay turned 17 years old, he started running away from his faith 
started questioning a lot of things. He began to rebel on his parents and he ran away from home. He became a drunkard. He went to school. He got a doctor's degree. He became a great medical expert, though he was an alcoholic according to modern terms. And it got so bad when he was in school trying to get his degree that he took his Bible and he said, what do you give me for it? And a man named him a price for his Bible and he pawned off his Bible, not a pawn shop, but to another man so he could get another drink of alcohol. He sold the word of God. Years later, he's practicing medicine. And he was constantly watching people that were Christians praying. He'd mock them and then they'd get better. And it just defied his logic and his wisdom over and over again. And one day, a, a, an older gentleman came in and he was working with the older gentleman. And the older gentleman said, I need you to go get my book. And he said, what book are you talking about? He explained it to him. He said, it's over there. Can you go get my book? And he worked with him and worked with him. And finally, that, that man, he went out and met God. And the doctor went back, William McKay went back, and he was looking. I wonder what book he was looking for. What book? I've got to know this. He was looking for a Bible. And when he got that Bible out, it came flooding back to him when he opened it. That was his name in it. His mama's writing with a verse of scripture and he started reading it and he returned to God and the Lord turned his entire world around. He went on to write the song, Revive Us Again. Now you may say that boy rebelled on God. That boy turned into be an alcoholic. That boy sold the word of God. That boy has sin, 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 mocking. I'm, but God has mercy enough to hear a mother's prayers who is saying, God, my boy is not living for you. I talked to him and I know there's something wrong with him and I don't have peace. Lord, you said you'd give me peace, peace, peace to those that are far and peace to those that are near. Lord, I don't have peace about my boy. But one day, God did the unthinkable. And through a miracle, God got that Bible back to that boy. God led him to a place of repentance. God led him to a place of healing. God answered his mother's prayers. I'm telling you, Mama, there's nothing my God can't do. I'm telling you, Daddy, there's no situation. He's too difficult for him, amen. He can do it, amen. He wants to heal us. He wants us on a roadway for revival. Get on it, amen. Build up the low places. Smooth out the sunken places. Prepare the way. Remove the hindering causes. Get rid of the debris and trust God as he leads you along the way. You stand to your feet tonight. There may be somebody here, I don't know who you are. But you sit here and you said, Lord, I said I got peace, but the truth is, I am worried about my children off on a honeymoon. I'm going to pray in just a minute. Preacher, I'm concerned about a daughter that's getting ready to deliver a baby in about three days or less. I'm all to pieces as a grandpa, and yet I trust God. What choice do I have? 
It's the best choice I'll ever make. And maybe there's a something tonight for you. Maybe there's an attack and assault of the devil trying to attack your faith, trying to tell you that God can't and God don't care and that things are going to turn out really wrong. I'm asking you tonight, would you come and say, oh God, I need that road to revival. I need some things to be smoothed out. Lord, I'm tired of my low living. Lord, I'm tired of the potholes and the pitfalls of sin. Lord, I want to live for you. Folks are still coming. Anybody else you feel like tonight you need to come and bow and say, oh God, will you give me that peace? God, I want to humble myself. It starts with a low door. God, I want to humble myself and I want a grand view of God. Hallelujah. Father, tonight, as I bow my knee, Lord, I want to tell you that I praise you and I honor you. And God, I come to you to say, Father, I've got worries. I've got concerns. Things that are way out of my hands. But God, I look to you and I have to trust you with results. And Lord, I want to trust you with results. Father, I trust you for outcomes. That Lord, that you might lead us to a place of peace and a place of praise. And Father, just this afternoon, how I praised you. And Father, tonight, then the attacks come again. Father, help you, help your people, not God, that are in this altar. Father, they have issues, concerns, worries. Lord, right now in their life, there's dangerous, low places. Father, there's pitfalls. Lord, there's question marks. Lord, I'm asking you, God, that you'd work. God, you'd do the impossible. God, just do that. Lord, there's a somebody right now. That mother's praying about that youngin that states and states away. And the night faith has leaped in her heart and said, if I could just touch him as he passes by, God would get a hold of my girl. God would get a hold of my boy. And he'd rescue them. He'd bring them to a place of safety. Lord, would you comfort us tonight, God? Would you help us, Lord? Touch us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.